to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsessions. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice. And what works for one may not work for all. Happy New Year! Welcome to Season 2 of Misunderstood. There are a lot of great episodes in the works for this year, and I hope you'll listen in and that the content will help you on your personal journey toward living well with MS. New beginnings are exciting, and as with any change, can be a little scary too. Sometimes in our lives, we experience something that changes us so drastically that we leave the experience a very different person than when we began. Today, to start off the year right, I have a guest, Lacey Dabelow, joining us from the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. I met Lacey last year when I participated in an eight-week course through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, which was an incredibly powerful experience for me. And over time, as I've reflected on that experience more and more, it's become an even more powerful agent of change for me and enabled me to get substantially closer to meeting my personal health goals. Today, you'll hear from Lacey more about the program and about a special opportunity for you, yes, you, to participate in a special group of folks, all with MS, to go through the eight-week program virtually together beginning sometime in mid-March. Stay tuned for more. Before we get into today's topic, I'd like to revisit the intentions of this podcast to make sure that newer listeners understand a few key things, like the periodic honking you just heard, as well as the rationale behind the importance of having a strong support network of people in your life who really understand the challenges we share as people living with MS. The origin of the flock comes from a lifelong fascination of mine on how geese work together, and I'll share a brief overview here since it's powerful to revisit every so often in the context of living well with MS. Geese fly in a V formation for several reasons. First, their seasonal migrations are long, arduous journeys, not unlike our lifelong journey with a currently incurable disease like MS. Their cooperation and empathy with one another throughout the journey helps maximize their efficiency as they travel toward their destination. By flying together, as each bird flaps its wings, uplift is created for the bird behind it, similar to cyclists drafting off the rider they're following. 
When the entire flock flies this way, together in a common direction, they increase their flying capabilities by 71% compared to when they each fly alone. Flying together can help us too on our journey toward living well with MS. I know it's certainly helped me these past few years since we started building our MS flock. A goose notices when it falls out of formation and flies alone in that it immediately feels the drag and resistance. So it quickly returns to the formation to take advantage of the efficiency the flock provides. Community matters. Think back to your lowest of days. Were you alone? Sometimes solitude is what we need and it can help us find a new direction forward. Yet staying in isolation too long can for us lead to increased depression and anxiety, which run rampant in the MS community. Having a safe place where we can vulnerably express the challenges we're facing and get the support we need, as well as celebrate our successes, can make all the difference for us. Another lesson we can learn from geese is that they take turns with their leadership. When the lead goose gets tired, it rotates back in the formation and allows another goose to take the lead. Like geese, no one of us is all-knowing or capable of doing it all, but together there's no problem we can't solve. We each bring unique skills, perspectives, and ideas to the table. It's also important to think about our doctors in this context. They are tremendous resources for us, for sure, but especially with an illness like MS that impacts each of us uniquely, there is a limit to what they can do for us, especially if we aren't open and honest with them about what we're experiencing or if they aren't listening. We know ourselves best, and it's up to us to be a team player with our doctors and caregivers so that they can be informed enough to truly help us. As with geese, we work better together when we share responsibilities and take turns in leadership roles. Developing agency, the ability to self-advocate, and an understanding that our own voice plays a critical role in our healing is an important step in the healing process. If we aren't honking the same language as our current doctor, it behooves us to find someone who shares our vision for the life we want to live. And lastly, geese are experts at supporting one another. You'll often hear them honk their encouragement to each other as they fly. When a goose gets sick or wounded and is unable to fly, two other geese drop out of formation with it and stay with it to protect it. They stay together until the goose dies or is well enough to be able to fly again, at which point they launch out together with another formation or catch up to their original flock. Like geese, flying together in difficult times as well as good helps a lot. Many of us lose friends when we receive our diagnosis, either by our own retreat or because it's too much for others to handle. Sometimes we struggle even in our closest relationships because the adjustment to living with MS is something others just can't understand until they face it themselves, which is not something we'd wish on anyone, especially our closest loved ones. By adding new friends to the mix who personally understand the very challenges we are facing, we collectively accept there will be tough times 
and are dedicated to helping all of us be our very best as much as possible. Some days, living with MS is really hard. (laughs) I mean, really hard. You likely know this, but I share because we do have listeners who do not have MS themselves. There are no words to express just how much the flock has helped me on those days. They've listened with their caring ears, warmed me with their loving hearts, and encouraged me to fly forward with their enthusiastic honks. So I hope that when you listen to this podcast, you remember all that the honks represent for all of us. We are in this together. You are not alone. My gratitude this week is for fellow flock member Susan. Susan gave me a really powerful gift a few weeks ago when, as a follow-up to episode 24, Planting the Seeds of Change, Renewing Our Personal Commitment to Healing, she sent me her own intention for 2021. She had put together a beautiful page of images, quotes, and song lyrics that she had chosen as her mantra or intention for the new year. It was so powerful to see them on paper that it inspired me to do the same. I've done this exercise for five years, but had never actually put it on paper to that extent. Thank you, Susan, for your inspiration. By putting it on paper, I feel an even deeper connection to my intention for the new year and more empowered than ever to live in alignment with my goals this year. As promised, I will share a bit of my 2021 intention with you today to follow up on our conversation prior to the break. If you haven't chosen a personal intention yet, like Susan inspired me, hopefully it may serve as inspiration for you. And if you missed episode 24 and want to create your own powerful intention for the new year, I encourage you to go back and take a listen. When we focus ourselves in a powerful way like this, it helps us stay true to our desired path rather than traversing our lives randomly, just relying on hope that we'll reach our desired destination. If you believe in the law of attraction, what we think, hope, and work for is much more likely to become true. And in fact, we know from the research previously shared that only 8% of what we worry about comes true and that 90% of illness begins in the mind. So why not think, hope, and work for something positive rather than worrying or dwelling on the negative? I offer to you today my intention for 2021 to show you that there is another way. I chose the lighthouse to help me stay true to several goals for the year ahead. I want to continue to be resilient in the storms I experience in my life. I also want to honor that in the past, I have often allowed myself to be swayed by the needs and desires of others. Lighthouses remain firmly affixed on solid ground. They are certainly there to help others, and service leadership has always been the main purpose of my life. Yet lighthouses do so through being true to themselves and letting their bright light shine as a beacon of hope, not through bending into the waves, risking their own stability to meet others' needs. I also acknowledge that at times I will be like the boat at sea, riding the unpredictable stormy waves of the future that I cannot control. 
In these times, I will be my own lighthouse by keeping my boat pointed toward the light of my desired path. I will also remember what I've learned from the past, that healing comes in waves. So the waves I will encounter are teaching me important lessons I need to know. Metaphorically, storms often represent our inner demons, which torment our minds and subconsciously impact our overall health and quality of life. This year, I will employ the strategies I'm learning to better manage my anxiety so I can ride out the storms easier than before and fully learn the important lessons that arise to teach me. I will be a resilient lighthouse, even when the waves crash against me with vigor and rage. This year, I am also hoping to be a lighthouse for others. Working with Dr. Peyrovi changed my trajectory as far as how I was living with MS. This is my opportunity to give back, to share that knowledge with others who see that light and are drawn to it. By sharing my story through this podcast and through our True Medicine nonprofit, I'm hoping to be a comforting beacon of knowledge, hope, and safety, a navigational guide to those who feel lost and alone at sea, illuminating a path forward. I honor that not all ships will seek the harbor I offer, and that's okay. I truly believe that there are as many ways to live as there are people. But I do hope that if someone is looking for what I have to offer, my light will shine bright enough to help them find the refuge they seek. Already, just days into the new year, I am feeling strong because I am laser focused on what I want to be true this year and am ready for the storms that will inevitably come my way. I have surrounded myself with the imagery of lighthouses to be a constant reminder For instance, my Zoom background, since I spent so much time online, is now a lighthouse. My workstation has a lighthouse candle burning brightly, and there's a ship with a heart dangling overhead, reminding me that I can weather any storm if I stay oriented to what's within. If any listener wants to share their 2021 intention with me, I'm here and eager to chat. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce a beautiful human, Lacey Debelow, who offers programming through the Center of Mind-Body Medicine. Take a listen in on our conversation. All right, so Lacey, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you about how we met, which was through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And and I'm hoping today that you can share, first of all, what is the Center for Mind-Body Medicine? Yeah, so it's an organization that's out of Washington, D.C. and founded by Dr. James Gordon, um, who's a psychiatrist, um, but found that, you know, there were other healing techniques um, to offer the world. And so he has founded this and has been doing this for several years. Um, And then the work has grown out of that, a lot of meditation, a lot of, um, you know, indigenous practices, things like that. Wonderful. And we'll talk more about uh, some of the details of the program as we go through our conversation. But I'm curious, what inspired you personally to become involved? You know, what path in your life led you there? 
So I was working at a primary care clinic um, as a social worker at a hospital in um, a large city and underserved populations, things. Um, but as I was training with someone um, for my job, um, she was like, we need to stop. I have the supervision call. And so as I was listening to it, you know, and finding out more information, um, you know, she was involved in this program in which she got training through the center. The center actually came to that hospital and offered the training um, on site um, and then had led groups afterwards. And during those groups, then there was a weekly supervision call with someone. But I kept seeing like, what is this about? And then I would see her use it with patients. Um, and then they were offering another cohort of it and a training. And so I just kind of said, please pick me. Can I go? <laughs> um, so that's kind of what started it. Um, and then just seeing the work, um, could just continue to, to do it. And so what is your current role there and, and how has that role kind of evolved over time? Sure. So the um, center, you know, I went through the two trainings that you do at the beginning and then they offer a certification. So I did that and then I did an internship with them. So kind of where I started. Um, and then um, during COVID, we did, we as the center did a bunch of online um, groups, which is actually how we met. Um, and so I led um, one of those, but I also took one of those and that's where we met. So you were not in my group, but it was in the one that I just took because I, it's important for me to do the skills as a learner too. Um, and then I also um, do supervision. So um, as I mentioned, when I first came in that day to do orientation, you know, they were doing a supervision call and now I'm doing supervision calls. So I work um, with people that are doing the certification and going through um, and providing weekly supervision for them as well. That's great. And it's my understanding too, that you tailor these programs for different groups and, and the program might not always look the same. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, correct. So, you know, um, you know, there's work that we do um, as certified practitioners with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine that we do with the center that they've asked us to do, like the, the online group that they ask us to do or the supervision program. Um, some of the faculty um, do trainings um, to teach people how to do these. There's all sorts of things that um, can, can happen there. Um, but then also just as a certified um, practitioner in it, you do your own work in the community. Um, so, you know, and when I'm saying like, this is the work, this is, this is what it is, it, these are groups. These are eight week groups, 10 week groups, 12 week groups. You kind of tailor it for whatever it is of whoever's asking you to do whatever. Right now I am offering an online eight week group, right? But I've done other ones as well. Um, in the hospital that I currently work in, I've offered groups to staff. I have next week they're coming, I have a nursing residency program that they have in our um, hospital and I'm going to go and do three one hour sessions with them next month. So it really can be tailored. I've done this with archdiocese. I've done this in addictions clinics and I've done it just online for just any person, you know, all strangers coming together. So, um, you know, I've done the work 
in groups. Um, when I worked in primary care, I would do it individually with people as well. Um, but the main model is through groups or, you know, you can tailor it again. Like I said, you could do the one hour things or you could do an afternoon on forgiveness or uh, an afternoon on compassion, something like that. That's fascinating to me. You know, I, I got to experience the eight week virtual course, which was so powerful. And actually, how about share a little bit about that program specifically. If someone were to do that program, what could a participant expect? Yeah, so, you know, anytime we come into a group, it's always like, what am I really doing? What did I really sign up for? So we do try to let people know and do like a pre-call with them before the group starts, just so that we get to know you, especially on the virtual format. We get to know you, kind of why you're coming, what you want to learn. So we make sure to implement that in there. Um, but, you know, we try to explain to you what goes on. So really it's about connecting with other people. Um, it's about, you know, finding more self-awareness, more insight um, while you're learning and experiencing skills that we teach, meditation skills and self-awareness skills. Um, so they, you know, somebody that would come would expect that their lives would shift from beginning to the end of the group, um, that you actually shift some different things. Um, uh, you might become unstuck in some of the patterns that you have, and sometimes you didn't even know you had them. People generally just become a different person and not like new year, new you type thing. Just there's some shifts. You get to know yourself better and connect with other people in a learning environment that's very safe and non-judgmental. I concur. So I found the program particularly useful and you're absolutely spot on when you say it just changes you. Um, I look at certain aspects of my life through a completely different lens now. And I wanted us to take a few moments just to kind of share a few of the really powerful elements of the program. And I'll share one in particular, the genogram, which is a way of looking at patterns in our families through generations. And for me, really what stood out was generational trauma that I don't think I had really realized the extent of until we had done that activity together. And it really helped in me foster better understanding, forgiveness, compassion, and also renewed strength to try to break some of those patterns in my own life. And it helped me let go of a lot of things that were previously triggering anxiety and depression. And that was just one small thing that we did throughout the class. And it just still months later, um, just has had a really profound impact on me. Do you wanna share anything else about the genogram? Sure. Um, so really, you know, like you said, you described that very well, um, the genogram, but it's also just this way to like honor, right? It, these honor these ancestors, honor these people that were a part of you being here. Um, honor the fact that, you know, if you have children that, you know, you're moving on your generation and um, it really looks at, you know, like for you, you were saying like, you found some generational trauma, but you know, it really looks at all of those things. You may find trauma in it. You may um, decide to look at the strengths um, of, 
you know, I, I've seen people do the strengths of the women within their genogram, right? And how forgiving the w- women were or how strong they were or looking at education patterns or relationships, um, how relationships play out. Um, could be looking at different health conditions. It could be looking at military experience. It could be anything that you want to look at within those generations. Um, and then again, like you said, to look at that and see like, this is a strength that I really want to keep going or wow, look at this like generational trauma that we stopped in this generation. And I wonder what was going on there and kind of identify some of those things. And what do I want to pass on? And what do I not want to pass on? And just really, again, having the safe space to just look at it and see what's there and find patterns that is so powerful and i you've inspired me to go back and create another genogram just focusing on something entirely different because i think that's a you know just a powerful model that you can use and reuse over time um and each time it will illuminate something different so that's Mm -hmm. thank you for for sharing more about that do you have a particular aspect or two of the program that you'd like to highlight that you think is amongst the most powerful for either you or a lot of participants yeah so i'll highlight a couple um because it's always hard to choose my favorite But I think, you know, we start with breath work, of course, but then, um, so one of my, one of my favorites though is imagery. And so we use that in different ways throughout, even when we're doing our drawings, when we're doing writings, when we're just doing plain imagery. And so, you know, that is something that's just always been very powerful for me. So I use it to help me sleep at night. Um, I use it to just motivate me in different ways or to kind of replay things and reset things for me or sometimes even in forgiveness meditations or just really finding ways to connect with other people so you just use it in a lot of different ways so we introduce it there show you some different ways of how you can use it and then give you resources about you know where you can continue to practice some of that. Um, so I think guided imagery is something that's just really powerful and kind of a sprinkle throughout the whole thing. However, there's about halfway through we do a writing and it's a dialogue. It's, we call it a dialogue with a symptom. Um, and you just pick an issue, a problem. It doesn't have to be the biggest problem of your life. It could just be, you know, like your right knee or something that has some pain in it. But, you know, I've written two things like confidence before. I've written to um, sugar because sometimes I have a sugar addiction if I want to just be honest. So, you know, things like that. So there's times that I write about something big about like, how do I get rid of this sugar addiction that I have? And sometimes it's just like something small, like, you know, why have I been irritable lately? And so you just invite that thing to come and have a dialogue with you. So, you know, if I, again, if I'm talking to confidence or self-doubt or anger, anything, whatever I've, I've chosen to ask to come with me today, I just have a dialogue and I start asking it questions. You know, I just ask my confidence, like, where have you been? What's going on? 
you know, you ask things like, you know, do you have other names or you, is there a message that you have for me? But you can ask it anything that you're curious about. Those are questions that I ask sometimes, but that doesn't mean that's what everyone else asks. You ask your own questions. And then you are listening, you know, through that dialogue, um, you're writing, right? And so as we're writing or drawing, we access different parts of our brain um, that help give us solutions to things. Then one of the most powerful things is afterwards you read it out loud, you know, and again, you're in the safe, non-judgmental environment, but the power of listening to you, to you talk to yourself and ask questions and get solutions. And um, a lot of times other themes or other words will come up that you then are like, oh, I should write to that now. Those come up. Those to me are one of the most powerful things that I do when I'm going through the group or outside of group. And one of the most powerful things um, when I'm listening to others share theirs that just, you know, centers and grounds me. It's just very, um, it's very humbling to listen to that and to have people share, share those, you know, in the group. Um, but it's just a very, very powerful tool for you to get to know yourself better, any concern that you're having, um, and really kind of work through whatever it is that you might need to. Isn't that so fascinating that often the answers lie within us? Um, you know, to hear you talking about that just warms my heart and also takes me back to the dialogue I had with my neurologic itch. And um, I, you know, from that conversation, I learned a lot of strategies. I learned what itch wanted and why it was showing up. And it hasn't gone away completely, but maybe I just need to have another conversation. So thank you for that. You know, you mentioned too um, that, you, you know, you use the term safe space a lot and listening. And I want to share a little bit more about that aspect of the program, because for me, that was so different than anything I had ever done before. And uh, if people have been a longtime listener, they know I was a former educator. So I've been in group settings a lot, <laughs> but this was a really unique setting for me. And this really opened my eyes to the power of silent acceptance and passive support because we were asked to refrain from commenting and, and not just, you know, asked to not, but the expectation was that we would not respond. And at first that felt so foreign to me and frankly, a little uncomfortable. And uh, it was just a really powerful transformation, I think, being a part of that and seeing how powerful it was over just eight short weeks and how it helped me develop stronger self-reflection, stronger agency and self-advocacy skills. And it also taught me to be more vulnerable and open with people I didn't really know. Um, and, and I think that has actually really helped me become a stronger leader in the MS community through this podcast and other avenues, because that was very much out of my comfort zone previously. So I'm curious if you could share as someone who's more experienced with this approach, how do you explain that? Like, how, how is it that you think this builds relationship even when people aren't talking to one another? Right. So, um, you know, I would say intimacy is built in several different ways, you know, um, and, 
you know, I think it's really powerful because if we, you know, I'm going to speak for myself, but I think this is a broader, broader experience of people as well is when is the last time, let's just say in the last week that you have been somewhere that you've talked to someone um, that you just got to say what you wanted to say or needed to say, and no one had a comment about it. Nobody told you what you should do about it. Nobody told you what you did wrong. Nobody said you should keep doing this. Well, maybe I don't want to keep doing that. Maybe I just wanted to do it that one time. So this is a space where we don't say like, here's a resource for that, or here's what I did in that situation, or here's this thing. What it does is it creates a space to where you can fill, we, we call it being held. The space is just held for you. You get that space that is yours. Nobody else gets it. Nobody else is allowed in. What they can do is, again, listen to you supportively, very much active listening and support. However, at the same time, um, us as the facilitators, we ask you to pay attention. So, you know, as Katie was sharing something, part of my job was not just to listen, but to actually listen to my body and how I was responding to what Katie was saying. Um, and you could just, again, that intimacy, that connection with another human being. And, you know, sometimes it would be like, oh, I really feel that, right? Um, but, you know, I just, I deal with that. I deal with my own emotion. I don't ask anyone to heal my emotion in it. I just sit with it and see what is that like to really feel that, to really feel that empathy or when you said that, it kind of angered me and what's going on in my body with that. So again, within all of this, even though we're teaching skills and want you to do these meditation practices, we, you know, we also want you to listen, to always be connecting the mind and the body, you know, so you're listening and you hear things, but you also want to see like, where am I feeling that mm, emotion in my body? Um, where am I feeling that um, concept, where am I feeling different things? Um, and, and what is that balance? What does the one have to say to the other? So it's kind of a multifaceted piece. You're listening and you really are connecting with other people. Other people are really listening, but you're also being in tune to like, what is what this person's saying, bringing out in me. Beautiful. And I think so many times in conversation, we're listening to respond listening to connect. And there are many ways to do that. But I love how you explained that, that, you know, you can form these really strong bonds with people without even saying a word. At the end of the program, we had an opportunity to share appreciations with each person. And it was just so interesting to me to really feel that people had felt what I was trying to convey through my nonverbal communication, you know, through my compassion, my attentive listening, my supportive smile. And that was enough for people to feel the level of support that they needed. And that was just such a beautiful, beautiful experience that helped me through a really vulnerable time. It was, uh, I started the course in May of this year. And, you know, that was 
we were just <laughs> in the pandemic, had a lot of social justice unrest, um, a lot going on. And, and I think if I hadn't had that additional layer of support, uh, it could have been a pretty dark time for me. So I really wanna thank you for everything you did to make that experience just so powerful um, for me. That was really, really special. So if, if someone is interested about learning more about taking a class like this, how could they find out more? Yeah, so you know, I'll, I'll back up one step and say, you know, the center has trainings that people are um, interested in becoming certified. Um, but, you know, if you're not interested in that, um, you can just take classes. So they're on the website, they do also have, it's um, cmbm.org, they do also have different practitioners. So wherever you're at, you can look one up to see, you know, within your area. Right now during COVID, almost everything is virtual. So, you know, you're going to be, the people are going to be doing virtual ones. Um, but at some point in time, there will be, you know, 10 people in a room again without mask, hopefully. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so in the meantime, you know, some of those, again, are going on locally, um, but virtually. Um, but again, I am offering with a co-facilitator of mine um, out of San Francisco, and I'm in North Carolina, and we're doing a virtual one just very much like the one that you and I took, Katie. Um, it's just people all over um, the country just deciding that they want to come and connect with others, maybe not feel lonely, maybe want to learn something new, set up a self-care practice, um, and just, you know, connect with other people during this time. So um, I'm starting one January 14th, and um, I know that you're going to have my email in the, in the notes. Um, it's L-D-A-B-E-L-O-W at gmail.com. You can just email me um, if you're interested in that. But we, I offer, uh, other practitioners offer groups kind of like ongoing. We can always kind of find one um, if someone wants to be in, in one. Excellent. And the group I took was diverse in every way. Uh, and, uh, you know, we even had people from out of the country and it mm -hmm. was uh, really, really awesome actually to have that diversity in the group. And also though, we talked about the possibility of having a special group just for people with MS that could start sometime maybe mid-March. So if, if listeners are listening and they say, oh, wow, I think I kind of want to do that. Could they start contacting you now to express their interest and kind of sign up for that? Absolutely. So yeah, I'd, I would be honored to do that. I would love to bring this to your group. Um, you know, and again, I'm just, um, I function as a member of the group and the facilitator, but the work is, you know, done within that group setting. And so yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and if I get some, you know, interest in that, then we can just decide on what day, time, everything works for everyone and get that started. Wonderful. So exciting. Is there anything else we haven't talked about yet that you want to share with listeners? And if not, maybe just a little bit about move and shake, because I know that's another strategy you love. Yeah, so sure. We, we can definitely end with that. So um, 
we call it shaking and dancing, but, you know, I like to call it shaking and movement. So, you know, it's, we, we know that um, movement within our bodies helps us break up patterns, right? Uh, you know, we, we need to move, we need to, um, even little things like, oh, my joints are tight or my muscles tight or whatever. And so I'm going to move or stretch. So we know, you know, there's long history of what movement does for us. Um, so we do look at expressive meditations within the group and, um, you know, things like, you know, the expressive meditations are things like whirling and dancing and chanting and, um, things like that. But, um, again, one of the things we do is shaking. And so you'll see it. Sometimes you'll see it maybe in Qigong practices. You'll see that people will do shaking within that or some other things. Sometimes even in yoga, there will be prompts to do that. But um, so we start out and we do shaking to some music and we do that together and you shake whatever feels good for you. Right. And if you have a major pain in one area, you just skip that area. You don't do it. Or maybe you just like move it a little bit, but don't shake it. Um, there's not really any right or wrong way to do it. It's just about moving and um, shaking areas of your body. And it releases a lot of tension. It can release a lot of emotion. Sometimes I do it for pain. Um, I, I have pain in my neck and my shoulders a lot. Um, I get migraines, different things like that. And there's times that I just need to shake and move my body and kind of get move the tension through because it's just getting stuck there and I'm going to be in pain all day or all week or all whatever if I don't. Um, so I've done it a lot for pain relief. I've done it before and just like sobbed, um, not even knowing that I had this emotional release that needed to come out, right? I just was shaking. And then so we, what happens is we do that for a little while and then we pause and we just kind of take notice of our body and our breath and anything that we felt that kind of shifted after we have been doing the shaking. Um, and then we go into movement. So we'll turn on some sort of song that, you know, we'll, we'll go into, in, into movement. And when you do it at home, you can pick anything you want to dance or move to um, and do that. And then just at the end, just kind of take note of how your body felt how it felt to shake and get that, get that tension out or get that emotional release out, what it felt like to just be still for a moment and notice, and then what it felt to have like really good movement, right? Because the shaking was breaking up all of that. And the other, you know, just becomes this like fluid movement that works with your body, however it is that you want to move. And it's just like this almost like this hug you can give yourself <laughs> at the end of it um, without sounding too, you know, woo woo on that. But it's just like this nice movement to just bring it all together and feel a little bit relaxed and be kind to your body after the, uh, after the shaking. Thank you so much for giving such a detailed description about that. Um, because, you know, a lot of us with MS live with chronic pain mm -hmm. and it's really tempting sometimes to let the pain just keep us immobile. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, you've convinced me next time I'm feeling the pain, I'm going to really try that. And I can already tell based on what you said that it's going to really, really help me. 
So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for being here today. I am so grateful for your time, your expertise. Going through the course with you was just such a, a fabulous experience that I will never forget. And I look forward to further partnership with you in the future. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Lacey and learning about the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And I hope you'll also consider participating in the group we're forming to begin in March. After listening to this episode, my hope is that we all remember that the only constant in life is change. This year will bring newness, and through intention, we can create more of what we want in our lives and better navigate the lessons that come our way. Secondly, think for just a moment of areas in your life where you might be stuck, or maybe you're just not where you'd like to be yet. As Lacey mentioned, it could be anything you want to change in your life, a mindset, a physical or emotional pain, a bad habit or addiction, really anything. I hope you'll consider giving yourself the gift of positive change this year so that you can be the you you want to be. I gave myself this gift last year in May for my birthday, and it's one of the most powerful things I've ever done for myself. All you need to do is reach out to Lacey. Her email, once again, is l-d-a-b-e-l-o-w at gmail.com. Be sure to tell her you want to join the MS group. Once Lacey has a cohort of interested folks, she'll work with us to find a common time starting in March that works for all participants. I'm planning to participate again, since I know I'll get even more out of it this time around. Join me, won't you? If you want to meet Lacey sooner than that, she will be at our Misunderstood Flock meeting this coming Saturday, January 9th, to answer any questions you may have about the Center for Mind-Body Medicine program offerings. If you're not yet a Flock member but would like to be, join us. We meet via Zoom the first Saturday of each month and when special guests like Lacey are able to meet with us. You can join us by visiting www patreon.com slash msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.